Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 658 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we have the amazing Kyla Brox letting us know about her gig at the Guild Hall in Litchfield on the 12th of February. We'll be talking to Muscom as they return to the stage of the Dunstan Mill Theatre. They are up with Bring It On. That's going to be awesome too. We'll be hearing from Peter Chand as he is part of the Wolverhampton Literature Festival that will be taking place over the coming weekend. And we'll be finding out about not only his performance, but also his workshop that's available too. And Zoe Turner is raising funds for Diabetes UK, so we'll be hearing from her. That's all coming up on the show this week. It's not just made-up stories that uh, Peter Chand is out there as a busy man. It's real life. He is absolutely everywhere. He is part of LitFest 2022, and I've just about managed to grab some time with him now to tell us what's going on. Hello, sir. Hi, Jason. How are you? I'm good. Always good to talk to you. Lovely to catch up. And lovely to bump into a few things, because you're one of the ambassadors down at the Grand now, and you've got so much stuff going on in and around Wolverhampton. Uh, LitFest is, is you know, just, just, just been part of the massive world that is the Peter Chan storytelling machine at the minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really excited. It's, it's, it's really interesting, because I've, I've been doing this for almost 20 years now, Jason, and it's sort of 99% of my work has been off-region. But the last couple of years, uh, I'm doing more work now at home in my home city than I've ever done, which is great. It makes me really happy. Uh, so, yeah, the Lit Fest is between the 3rd and the 6th of February. And I'm doing um, on the 5th at Bantoff uh, House Museum. I'm doing a, a, a running a workshop for beginners, storytelling <laughs> workshop for beginners. Anybody who is either a budding storyteller, uses story or public speaking in their work, perhaps, maybe parents or carers, grandparents who want to just become better storytellers for their for the for the kids they're looking after. Uh, and just people who, who love a uh, love telling a good yarn basically, you know, these these skills are, are lifelong skills, you know, the communication skills never go wasted. And then later on that evening I'll be uh, 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 sharing a piece uh, called Kahani, which being story. Um, and it's an adult uh, adult hour of Indian stories for grown-ups because we need we need stories as well as grown-ups as well. <laughs> so I'm really excited to be part of Lit Fest again. That's that's really exciting stuff, and it's a great lineup. The the whole four days look superb. It does absolutely brilliant work uh, from the the guys in the team putting it all together. Uh, I know that uh, the council have done some amazing work. All the venues are, are doing brilliant stuff, and and to be able to tell stories somewhere like Bantock House again, that is a wonderful backdrop for what you'll be doing. It's great, yeah. It's I, I told I told this some years ago, but it's such a nice vibe, and the space is really good as well. And you feel really sort of embedded in the community when you tell it. Some places sort of can sometimes have a feeling of being detached, but at a band spot, you really feel you're in the midst of things, which I love. So, uh, so yeah, really looking forward to that as well. And hopefully, some of your listeners will come come and join us either for the workshop or the performance, or possibly both. You know, because there's nothing better than. Uh, taking uh, part in, in, in skill sharing and then mm -hmm. seeing the application of those later on, which is exactly what we'll be doing on the Saturday. Yeah, and you are an absolutely wonderful storyteller. Uh, the, the way in which the, the energy comes across from every tale, whether it's scary, sad, happy, uh, whatever it is, you bring it to life, absolutely. And so pleased we'll be sharing some of those skills. And the, and the thing is, when people are telling stories and doing this professionally, uh, I think, 
it, it, they may get the impression that it has to be exactly the same every time, but it, it isn't really because you're working to the audience in the room and that's another part of it. And that's why these skills are so important and so transferable. Yeah, 100%. And, and this is the thing, it's like every, every storyteller is, is different. Of course they are, but the storytellers uh, that I, I admire the most and I always have done are those storytellers who sort of, who you know, they're not just repeating verbatim. And this is the thing, it's like, you know, we're not actors. I have great respect for actors because it's a discipline, a massive discipline mm -hmm. uh, to be able to work with a script and then bounce off other actors, react to other actors. Um, whereas with storytelling, this is the great thing, you know, we are, we, we, we are, are, are one person operations and we, we, we are everyone. We're every, we're every, uh, every character in the cast we, we play. And that, and those, the words they say and the, and the incidents are never shared the same twice in a row, which is brilliant. And like you, like you just referred to, it's, it depends on the audience. So it can slightly change the story. It depends on the atmosphere, on the vibe. It also depends on how you're feeling that day as well, Jason. So uh, there's often, and, and most storytellers will tell you this, you'll sort of, you'll be telling a story you've told for years and suddenly something's happened in the news or something's happened sort of, uh, you know, some social change and suddenly that will sort of, that will impose itself on the story in a really nice way so that changes as well so yeah it's and real storytelling should be a conversation you know it's it's the audience should be a two-way reciprocal thing when it, mm. and that's when it works the best i think as well yeah and that's all part of the the, the magical world that you weave every time you tell a tale and uh, i i think it's also that's that's part of of you being an ambassador at the the grand theater and so much of what we see you doing and um, and and it's it's great to uh yeah i think to, to, to represent uh the, the the community in in the way in which you, you you stood up and gone hey look this is something we can all do together yes yeah thank you i think it is it is really important to I, I might have said uh, whether whether it was uh, in an interview with yourself before, but I think it's it's like it's it's like somebody said to me years ago that if you uh, if you can tell a story relatively well competently, you know the chances are that you can you can sit an interview well, you know if if you can tell a story uh, well, then there's there's a fair chance that you can stand up in public and make a presentation, or mm -hmm. uh, you could be maybe do you know a, a, a child is sort of has to read out their work and, and the storytelling skill helps that as well so these are all lifelong skills and also i was working uh, with a university recently and uh, doing some storytelling work for them and and the person who had employed me said a really interesting thing he says he was talking to employers and a lot of employers were saying to him they're saying we get a lot of competent uh, graduates coming in you know that that know their know the paperwork know the administration side of things know the facts and the figures but we need more presenters because with the best ideas in the world, the, the best concepts in the world, all new inventions, all new uh, discoveries, unless you can tell the story behind those those discoveries and those inventions, it doesn't mean a great deal. It's not going to, you're not going to convey the the, the the magnitude of what you've done or the importance of what you've done, you know? And and that's the thing. And all these, storytelling is communication at the heart of it. And uh, so th these are lifelong skills and they're really, really important. And in this age, arguably, I say, this age of this screen <laughs> digitalization, uh, the art of face-to-face -face communication can suffer. And 
it, it's, it can easily become a skill that becomes something of the past, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, so, it's something that's evolving in some ways, because as you say, we're, we're talking on screen now, and you have to have an uh, ability to be able to do that too. And again, this still ties in with the, with the work that you're doing with these workshops. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, communication is communication. And, uh, and and that doesn't change. And it's, it's yeah, you, you, you see, it's, it's, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, I, I, before lockdown, I was lucky enough to have sort of, I've told in about 15 or 16 different countries. And it's really interesting. You could be at a festival somewhere and you walk past the venue or you walk past sort of, you know, a, 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 a marquee or a tent somewhere and you'll, you'll pop your head through the, through, through, through the sort of entrance and you'll see somebody telling a story you might not even understand a single word of what they're saying <laughs> in the language that they're using, but you can tell a fantastic communicator within within less than 30 seconds, Jason, really. You know, there's something in the air around them changes and the way that they, the audience is reacting to them and the way that the people are hanging on the what they're saying, but not just hanging on every word they're saying, but you can see with their eyes and the way that they're reacting, they're also totally invested now you think about it you could be telling a story about dragons or you could be telling a story you know about trans transformation where somebody turns into an animal <laughs> and <laughs> and you know it could be you could be suspending disbelief but a great communicator will do that in any language and it's, it's noticeable and when you see it it's a beautiful thing to see how well they are connecting and communicating and the like i said the air changes around them and there's a there's a reciprocal thing going backwards and forward, which is beautiful. And that's communication. That's what we do in communication. Yeah, whether it's the electricity or some sort of aura, there's going to be a feel of something which is happening. And it's like, I, I've seen that. Uh, just just when you, you've spoken to a handful of people when uh, I, I, I've been around, uh, I haven't as yet managed to get to a full storytelling event with you, which I must do at some point. Yes, so fingers must. crossed I can get there as part of the, uh, the Literature Festival and uh, see what we can do to enjoy that. And uh, it's going to be an absolutely amazing uh, several days of quality uh, work. And with the likes of yourself being there, we know it's got a, 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 that true local stamp of some of that. You know, you're a national, international uh, performer and somebody who is, is on that greater stage. But again, to be at the heart of your own city and talking to, to people who talk like we talk, it's, you know, I think that, that, that is uh, another part of the joy, isn't it? Totally, yeah, it's a real thrill. And like I said, it's, most of my work's been off region, Jason, so it makes me really happy to be working working in my own city and also as well, and I've always said this, um, uh, Wolverhampton, the black country generally, we have some great storytellers, natural storytellers who have the gift of the gab, have, you know, have, have, uh, uh, they have the banter, whatever you want to call it, but they've got it, you know, they, they, have, they have a sense of humor, which is brilliant. When I come back to the black country, you can you can talk to most people. Most people will have a conversation, <laughs> total strangers will have, will have a natter with you. And that is something, you know, that means they have the confidence to be able to talk and the ability to be able to communicate as well, which we take for granted mm -hmm. because not everybody does. And uh, yeah, so it's, it's a pleasure to be and an honour to be working in my own city. And uh, I've been doing a lot with, like you said, with the Wolverhampton Grand as one of the ambassadors and the Wolverhampton Grand, I have to just give a shout out for them because they've been amazing and very supportive, just not, not just of myself, but also of, of culture and live arts in, in the area as well. And, and they really... They put their money where their mouth is and they and they and, and and they go for it fully. So a big shout out and big respect as well to the Grand Theatre of Wolverhampton. 
Yeah, well, I, I want to see a, a show from you. It's something in the encore would be wonderful, where you've got you know that, that sort of environment, everybody's close together, uh, or maybe in the spotlight lounge. So maybe fingers crossed, we'll see that uh, in in the not too distant future. Meanwhile, WallsLiteratureFestival.co.uk. Nip along there, check out the details of the show. Peter, though, what are all your info for the socials and your website, please? Yeah, yeah. Just if you search at, uh, Peter Chan, the storyteller, and and I'm on Facebook and on various different platforms as well. Uh, yeah, I'm dead easy to find. And my website is just peterchand.com. C-H-A-N-D is the spelling on Chand. Make sure you're there to uh, find out more about what this exceptionally talented man is up to. Always worth a listen. Literally, listen. Hang on every word. Peter, great to speak to you as ever. Thank you for joining us. And have a wonderful time at the Literature Festival. Thanks, Jason. All the best. Finally, Muscom are back in action on the 3rd, 4th and 5th of March. They'll be at the Dawnston Mill Theatre with Bring It On. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Harriet, Jack and Rosie. Hello to you all. Hello. OK, let's get some background. Who wants to volunteer to tell me a bit about Bring It On? I'm going to assume that'll be me, as I've already <laughs> been put forward for this. <laughs> right, tell us what's going on then, because it's a show which was to tour professionally. It isn't now, but fortunately, we've got you guys to bring it to life in the city. We have indeed, yeah. So it's it's a really fun show. Um, there's a lot of big numbers, big songs in it, a lot of feel good type music in it. Um, so it's really easy for anyone to watch, really. Um, and it's very much about friendship, uh, which is always really lovely, especially for a group like us who are also close. So. Yeah, and the thing is, uh, this is one which requires the mostly the younger members of Muscom, but there's still some of the oldies in there too. Yeah, absolutely. We've got sixteen year olds to. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know to send anyone. <laughs> to, to just a little bit older. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your character. First of all, you, you can go first, Harriet. Uh, so I play Campbell. Um, the story kind of follows me, really. Um, so I start in um, one school, and my whole dream has been to be the captain of the cheerleading squad. The whole show is about cheerleading. Probably should have said that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so I finally become captain, and then all of a sudden my life is is gone to shatters um when i have to move to a school which is in a much poorer district um, and don't have a cheerleading squad so i don't fit in i don't know what i'm doing and i'm just trying to make friends and uh yeah that's when these two come in when i move to the other school okay jack next what's going on with you uh i'll play randall he's um just like the school dj really he's, he's the music guy at the school he's, he sort of gets on with everybody he doesn't really have obviously he has his mates at the school but he's just sort of a, an approachable guy i'd like to think um and then he ends up taking a liking to campbell um and uh ends up somehow getting his way by the end of the story okay um, love interest slight spoilers <laughs> overall though it's mostly about having a bit of fun yeah basically Okay, Rosie, explain all from your role, please. So I'm playing Danielle. Um, I am the head of the dance crew in Jackson. Um, I basically like work. I'm going. I'm push. I'm work at a Burger Shack, and I study a lot so I can get myself to college and get myself out of my circumstances. And I have a tendency to be a bit tough, but kind of take a liking to Campbell and let my walls down a bit and we do become friends um but yeah it's a great great show I have some great numbers and I'm just really excited to 
get on stage with everybody. Oh, fantastic. Absolutely a feel-good show, which I think yeah. we all need just at the moment as well, don't we? We've got to have something that's a bit of fun. Uh, high yeah. energy. You guys are running around like absolute mad things, aren't you? Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, who, who gets to do either the highest kick or the, the most amazing things with pom-poms? How does that work? with me again um, <laughs> I basically don't stop in this I literally don't leave the stage in the show yeah. I have to do everything it's really demanding that's why I absolutely love it because it's such a challenge for me um because I've just got to literally do everything I've been in the air I'm dancing I'm I don't stop basically <laughs> I literally don't stop mm. And, and who's in second? Because obviously I mean Jack uh with with your role as DJ you, you have to facilitate so that must be good fun yeah, luckily I get to avoid most of the really hard dances because my character is, um, you know, the music guy who has to be at the side making it play, if you like. But um, it's good fun to watch, at least. And I get yeah. to concentrate on my singing, which is uh, obviously my, my favourite part anyway. So, um, yeah, it, it's good. It's good to just, as I say, just see it happening in front of you. And are there going to be songs that we know from the show or is it all going to be new stuff, but amazing stuff? I probably don't really know much to be fair. I think the general public probably won't really know much. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe recognize a few little bits. I think actually, I'm not, I don't know about this, but I've been told from kids that I teach that apparently some of the songs are on TikTok. Okay, so, <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, so TikTok is the place to go if you want to uh, prepare yeah. yourself for bringing it on. But whatever, whatever happens, you're guaranteed to be singing the songs when you leave the theatre. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's it. Mm. That's it. yeah. And, and what's it been like being back with Muscom? Are you been able to, uh, to to work fully in the, in, in the usual sort of environment you'd expect for uh, for all the rehearsals? It's been a bit strange. It's a bit strange. Like, yeah. we, we have rehearsals every week, but we just have to just be careful with COVID. But it's been so amazing to get back and actually, like, get into that rehearsal room instead of being over Zoom and just actually go full out every time and sing together and dance together. Yeah, it's odd to look back and think that we had like two years of doing this where and for the first year or so we had to just try it all over screens and yeah. just really hard to do that to be honest. So it's good it's good to be back. Yeah, uh, get the in, timing in the right remotely, not easy at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so where do we get tickets from? Who's volunteering to give me that information? Uh, are, 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 are we going? Are we? Um, you can get them through CT. Um if you go onto their website and you just search, bring it on, you can buy them through there. Or, I mean, you can contact us and we can put it against our quotas. Yourself into getting signed up through the, the, for the show that way. And yeah. so it's going to be, uh, how, many, how many shows is it? Because it's over three days. Three. Three, yeah. So it is one, one show a day. Uh, and uh, I take it it's about, what, 7.30 of an evening? I believe so, yes. yes. There we go. I think we've covered everything off there. So you want to be the Dawson Mill. Uh, it's uh, going to be absolutely awesome. Uh, I'm going to volunteer Jack to give us the dates again. Go on, you can do your sales pitch now. It's 3rd, 4th and 5th of March, I believe. Well, have an awesome time. Break a leg. Don't break any of <laughs> your pom-poms. Uh, have a, a wonderful time on stage. And uh, I think you, you guys deserve to be back doing this and we deserve to see an amazing show. And I know you're going to bring us that because Muscom absolutely always delivers. And it's, uh, it's, it's been, Muscom's been going now for, you know, through all sorts of, uh, of traumas. COVID is just one of those things that is ridden the storm from. And uh, you're going to be back with more amazing uh, choreography 
street, singing, dancing across the board and acting and everything else that you guys do so well. I'm looking forward to the show. Have a brilliant time. And uh, we look forward to uh, Muscom returning triumphantly. Thank you, gang. Thank you very much. Thank you.
At the Litchfield Guild Hall on the 12th of February, Carla Brooks will be along on stage at eight o'clock. An internationally renowned artist, an amazing voice, and joining me now, which I'm very honoured to say. Uh, so, Carla, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And in the world of blues, uh, there is nobody I don't think you haven't played with who's on the circuit or who hasn't wished to play alongside you on stage. And uh, you know, some amazing gigs. And uh, you must have been missing the, the, the full realm of the world which you would normally be touring over the last couple of years. Oh, it's been a very difficult couple of years. Yeah, definitely. I've been gigging, I think, since I was 12. So this has definitely been... Um, a long, long break. We did get back to it last year, um, and then Omicron caused another couple of cancellations. Mm -hmm. But we've got a full diary this year, and I just hope that we can we can do all the gigs. Well, I, I, I know your audiences will absolutely want to be there. And uh, what are you bringing to the stage with this tour? Because it's, it's been a little while since we last had an album. I know there's one back in 2016. Um, we re released Pain and Glory in 2019. Ah, well, I've That's missed that one. Yeah, that's the most recent one. Um, and so we'll be playing songs from that and also songs from previous albums, possibly one or two covers. I don't usually do more than one an evening. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so we are in the process of getting our acts together to think about recording a new album. But um, I think we've just spent this this time, this last couple of years, um, just as we've treated it a bit like a sabbatical and spent mm. a lot of time with our kids. And um, But yeah, I'm definitely feeling the creative juices starting to flow now. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and, and blues music itself, I mean, if it can't be inspired by a pandemic, what, what type of music can be? Exactly, yeah. Although I've got to say, it's not all sad stuff. Oh, no, I know that. <laughs> and, uh, but uh, it, it's just, a, yeah, the, the, the way in which you bring the music to life, having had a listen through the 2016 album, uh, you know, it, 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 is, uh, it is wonderful. And uh, it, this is all about you and the band. I mean, the band are, are, are there making this all work with you? Very much so. And, you know, I've, I've, I've played with a number of different combinations of musicians in my bands over the years. And I think this combo is without a doubt, absolutely perfect for what I write, the way I perform. And I think we just create something together really, really um, special. I think I really, that's one of the main things I've missed, you know, throughout the pandemic, just playing with my, with my band, just being with them. And, you know, that, that energy that we have on stage together. And, and with, with the music itself, obviously, we, we, uh, you, 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 there are some sad songs, there are some happy songs, and there are lots of other things along the way. Uh, what is inspiring you when it comes to your current writing? Um, I think there's going to be quite a bit of um, stuff to do with soul searching. You know, what I didn't understand fully was how much being on stage um, really helped my mental health. Because I think when I'm on stage singing, that's where I sort of process everything. So it's almost like a therapy session to me. <laughs> so throughout this pandemic, it has been strange to try and find other ways of, of processing uh, emotions and stuff. So I think there'll be some of that in there, definitely. Yeah. And with, I mean, this, this, this gig is a relatively intimate one for, for you to play uh, as well. And I, is that something that you're going to enjoy getting back to it, to be able to you know, sit there with an audience rather than just performing in front of a group of people? 
Definitely, definitely. And I think that's, you know, that's been so important coming back to, to performing again, just that connection with the audience. Because I always say, you know, a gig can only be a good gig. It's not just about the musicians who are on stage. It's about the energy that you create with the audience. And if you've not got the audience involved, you can't have a you can't have a good gig. So when it is a smaller audience, it's definite. I love to be able to look into everyone's eyes and and connect with them. So yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. Yeah, and you, and you see that reaction to the music, which is is harder to do in some of the massive venues that you've played over the years. And, but yeah. although you know, when you've got a bigger venue, you tend to have more people on stage as well and more names to to work with. And it must be yeah, great seeing the likes of it. Van Morrison or somebody like that who, who, who you've worked alongside and, and the music has, has really touched them too, I hope. Yeah, yeah. It's it's always humbling, isn't it, to uh, work with people who are like your heroes and for them to enjoy what you do. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. Well, we expect more incredible things from you as we head through the, the next year and two, or two. Uh, Litchfield is just is, is one of those gigs that you're running. Obviously, we can find out more about everything that you do via your socials. Where do we find that to start off with? Um, Kylabrox.com, K-Y-L-A-B-R-O-X.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in Kylabrox and you'll find me. Absolutely, and certainly in iTunes and all the other music providers that uh, you can go there and find the music. Well, real CDs, I think I think Blues is one of those places where I like to have a real physical disc as well. I think that, that all helps too. Definitely, and also LPs. Oh, my gosh. We've, yeah, the last two albums we've produced on LP as well, and mm, that's that's definitely a good way to listen to stuff. Absolutely divine, something that you can hold and also get signed at gigs. I think that's another important part of it too. Definitely. <laughs> if you fancy getting on to the Guildhall on the 12th of February, litchfieldarts.org.uk, you can find the links and details on there. An eight o'clock start for what will be a truly awesome gig with an amazing uh, sort of wall of, of, of blue sound hitting you between, uh, between the ears and uh, in your mind too as you work your way through the wonderful lyrics that will be brought to you by the amazing voice of Kyle Brox. Thank you for joining us. Have an amazing show and we look forward to more work from you over the next 12 months. Thank you so much, Jason. Take care. On the 3rd of April, Zoe Turner will be pounding the streets, doing her bit to raise funds for Diabetes UK. And joins me now to tell me more about exactly what she's up to. Hello. Hiya. How are we doing? Very good, thank you. Raising funds, you you seem to have become Zoe Turner charity fundraiser at the moment. <laughs> uh, so uh, you see, running, uh, you've done this on and off over the years, um, yeah. and uh, you are back doing it again with a bit of a landmark tour. Yeah, I've always wanted to do the London Landmarks one, um, and it's sort of on my progression too because eventually I want to do a marathon. Mm -hmm. So I thought if I'm raising funds for charities and increasing my distance every time, I'm more likely to do it, if you see what I mean. Yeah, you, so, you kind of, once that sponsorship's in there, you've kind of got to, haven't you? You've got to do it, yeah. So, um, yeah, and I've always liked, I've always looked at the the Landmarks one and it looks really good because at least you're going to be distracted while you're running around, aren't you? So yeah, you've got stuff to look at and it's yeah. just selfie moments as well as you're on your run. Oh, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have, like, the T-shirt on, the diabetes T-shirt, and, um, yeah, that'll be a good idea. I can take uh, pictures outside each landmark, because it goes past, like, Downing Street, the London Eye, Buckingham Palace, Pall Mall. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. What's the total <laughs> distance that you're going to do, then? 
13 miles altogether. Oh, a proper half marathon, which is uh, the uh, the next step in this progression. And yeah. this isn't the only thing you've been doing, because you've been doing all sorts recently, haven't you? Um, Running-wise. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I raised funds for um, CPRE Shropshire before Christmas. Um, and I raised funds for Mental Health UK last October as well. Um, that was a, a twenty over 22 hours walk across the... Mm. Shropshire Peaks. <laughs> I didn't know where there was. <laughs> <laughs> we got there in the end, and you, you, yeah. you had someone help you. Yeah, yeah, I had a guide. <laughs> and we did end up back at the car park where my car was, so that was useful. Even better. That what, what better way to finish a day than that? Okay, so uh, this is for Diabetes UK. This is a personal one for you in particular because uh, your son has uh, diabetes. Yeah, he's got type one diabetes. He was diagnosed at twelve. Um, and he's 20 now. And then also my sister was diagnosed at 18 and she's 60. Um, so, yeah, I can that they do a lot of good work trying to not only find a cure, um, but raising awareness of it as well, because it is little. It's not really understood by a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and also, obviously, looking for better ways to treat it, because the difference in how my sister dealt with it when she was first diagnosed is like totally different to how. Matthew deals with it now and it is, you know, he probably doesn't realise it, but it is a lot better and a lot easier mm -hmm. now. But it's still uncomfortable and the fact you've, there's, there's going to be uh, insulin injections and when, when your sister was uh, first diagnosed, uh, I'm, I'm going to guess this was all relatively new, wasn't it, being able to treat it in that way? Yeah, when my sister was diagnosed, it was different. Um, she had set insulin based on a weight that she had to have each day. And then she had to eat the fluid to that insulin. So even if she wasn't hungry, she'd have to eat it because she'd had the insulin for it. Mm -hmm. Whereas now they do it the opposite way around. You decide what food you want to eat and then you have the insulin for it. Um, and then obviously at the time she, like when you test your blood sugars, um, she would have had to have done it by going to the toilet first. And obviously mm -hmm. it was further behind as well. So that result was probably from like a few hours ago. Whereas obviously now they prick their finger, get their blood test, and and that's normally accurate within about twenty minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously Matt now has got the arm patch, so he'll just scan it with his phone, and it'll tell him what his blood sugars are, so he knows whether they're going up or down, um, which is really important for somebody with diabetes, because obviously mm -hmm. a normal person, um, your body does that; it regulates your uh, blood sugars, so it'll never dip below four and it shouldn't really go above seven whereas obviously because Matt doesn't have that pancreas that's working um he has to do it himself um, and obviously it can dip up and down below four and above seven mm -hmm. um on a regular basis unless you, you really monitor it on almost an hour by hour basis um so yeah it's, it, it's a difficult condition to live with because there's just no respite from it there's no oh I'll, I'll think about that tomorrow you have to think about it constantly yeah, um, and, and everything you do, I mean, I mean, I mean, being 20 years old, obviously, uh, he, he wants to go out with his mates, he wants to maybe enjoy uh, a, yeah. a, a, a drink when out and about, but you've got a plan for that, and you can't be so tipsy that you can't control your blood sugar when you go home. No, well, luckily, I mean, he's at university at the minute in Nottingham, which was like, um, you know, that was a, a fright for me and his dad in the first place when he went down there, because, of course, he's totally out of our control, and it's like a two-hour round drive, but... Um, he's got friends down there and, and his girlfriend that, that know what to do. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, obviously, if he does get too, too tipsy, he's got people that 
know how to help him, if you see what I mean. Yeah, um, but, but it, it, it is a, it, you've got a responsibility for, for stuff that is regulated normally uh, by everybody else. So the fact mm. that he happens to be somebody who has type 1 diabetes, and of course those who get type 2 diabetes through their life for various reasons, uh, you know, it, you've got to make sure that you, it, everything is managed, and, and, and it's that management. It's a whole extra little of responsibility. Yeah, you don't really yeah. expect a dump on a 20-year-old or, uh, you know, as he's grown yeah. up. Well, I mean, like, there's people that have it right from birth, which I think, in a way, I think that's probably better because you've never known the other way of living where, at 12, he was used to going to the cupboard and having a snack when he wanted, um, you know, whereas now he can't eat anything with carbs in without, without there's a whole rigmarole behind it. So um, he'd have to check the carbs, he'd have to um, do his insulin first to see where he was, um, sorry, his blood sugars to see mm. what number he was on then he'd have to have a think about well am I going for some exercise this afternoon what's the weather like is it hot is it cold um you know am I feeling happy stressed have I got an exam tomorrow that I might be worried about and all those things have to be calculated into what insulin he gives himself for that one snack so even if it's like um, a biscuit or a chocolate bar um, or an apple even because obviously they've got carbs in Mm. all of those calculations and thoughts he has to process every single time he eats and and that's why it gets so tiring and and they do have a condition called diabetes burnout um and it's just that you get to the point and you just you know you, you just can't you can't you, you think you can't you don't want to do it anymore but obviously you've got to <laughs> yeah it has to be done it's it's it's, it's the way yeah. in which you continue being able to do the rest of what you do so diabetes yeah. uk doing massive amounts of work not only in the research but also support for those who have both type 1 and type 2 diabetes you're raising funds and it's brilliant stuff i know you're around a third of the way through your initial <laughs> target we'd like to see you get through that and beyond so uh, what uh, what do people do to get in touch and donate obviously they can follow me on twitter as well which i think we found out before at one of our last interviews it's zoe turner one isn't it on twitter mm -hmm. um, or you can go to um the just giving page so it's just giving.com forward slash zoe hyphen turner 20 so Zoe is on a hyphen dash Turner 20 and uh, nicely tying in with your son's age there, which is uh, uh, yeah, the, no, the reason you're doing this. So yeah. not yours, even though you still look 21. But um, you've, got, <laughs> uh, you, you've got a fantastic time ahead of you. 3rd of April is when you are doing your run around London. We're looking yeah. forward to seeing all the pictures on your socials. And uh, But uh, the important thing is raising funds for a great charity and making sure that we look after you as well as you keeping yourself fit and having a good jog around. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so always good to talk to you. Thank you for joining us. And thank you. And good luck with the run. Yeah, thank you. Bye. Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 659 next week. I'll see you then. Good off for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.